Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. So glad to have you here with us today for episode 395 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Tim Schur, to talk about his new book, The Secret Society of Success, and even more importantly, his recent transition from being a COO to focus on his book and full-time speaking career. Now, there's no doubt that taking the plunge to invest full-time in your speaking career can be very, very daunting. And Tim has lived this journey. He's embraced the challenges along the way, and he is here to give his insight into jumping into this to make it a successful transition. And so during our time together, Tim unpacks the cultural narrative of finding true success at the top and why meaning and fulfillment might not exist where we think. Tim also takes a deep dive into his perspective of learning, serving, and growing through his speaking career. His journey of defining success for him, his business, his family has really afforded him the opportunity to focus more on the process rather than the result. And so today he's going to be sharing his own measures for success, what motivates him, and how you can transform your experience by beginning with the end in mind. I know you're going to get a lot from this conversation, so let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Tim Schur on defining your success. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Bolton here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Good to have you here with us today, hanging out with my buddy, Tim Schur. <laughs> so we were talking here before we hit record of, there's kind of this thing, and maybe this is like true with just speakers in general, of we've been like shooting the breeze for 10, 11 minutes or something. Then you hit record. My wife and daughter say that like, dad has his dad voice, his normal voice, and his speaker voice. And like, you know, it, it, like, it like changes and something all of a sudden switches. Do you feel like your voice changes like when you're on? <laughs> I don't know. I I just feel like I'm laughing most of the time anyways. So I hope that I just kind of show up the exact same everywhere. Um, but I don't know. You tell me. Do I sound different from whenever you and I have I lunch? Think, yeah, you and I have lunch. We hang out. I think it's the same. This time we just happen to be recording it. We're not eating lunch. But other than that, either way, Tim, I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> Tim and I, we've known each other for several years. Uh, he's got a new book out now, The Secret Society of Success, which we're going to be talking about, a phenomenal book. I'd encourage people to, to check out. But before we get there, and I think there's a lot of lessons there that we can talk about, especially for speakers. I want to talk about a transition that you've had recently. You uh, were COO for uh, Donald Miller Story Brand for many, many years. Um, and you can probably even give us some background even prior to that. But recently you've transitioned out of that to focus on the book and then also start a speaking career. And so I'm kind of curious, maybe give us some background on that, but then also what's led to this spot where now you are going all in on, on speaking, because that's ultimately where the audience is at. So many of our, our yeah. people who are listening are going, you know, I've had a full-time job for many years and I want to become a speaker uh, and I haven't for whatever reason. So be curious, like what the past several months or years have been like for you that's led to this transition period? Yeah. 
So this story has been pretty inspiring for me and just really helped me navigate this journey uh, over the last 10 plus years. And, you know, I'm sure all of us are familiar with the story of Apollo 11. You have Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. What a lot of people don't know, there's actually a third astronaut on that mission. His name was Michael Collins. So here you have Michael Collins, the guy Ubers, Neil and Buzz to the moon, <laughs> drops them off so they can do all the various tasks on the moon surface while he stays in the command module and orbits the moon something like 26 times until the guys are ready to be picked up and brought back to Earth, wow. right? So what makes this a pretty miserable story would be if Michael Collins were to get back into the press would say something like, it sure would have been nice to actually walk on the moon, you know, acted like a victim. But I think we all would have actually empathized with them in that moment and been like, totally, right? Like you yeah. made it all the way to the moon, you didn't step foot on it, <laughs> I would be bummed too. But he didn't respond that way. In fact, how he responded, he talked about how content he was to had one of those three seats. He was happy to be a part of the team. Yeah. So there was a time in my life when I wanted to be the next John Mayer, I was going to be a star, <laughs> right? But what's interesting is over the last 15 years, I've been on this journey that has just really had me asking a different question. Does success have to be stepping into the spotlight, climbing the ladder, being the boss? Because there's this cultural narrative that we've been bombarded with. And if we're not careful, how we define success can really push us you know, to a higher road or one that actually could lead us on a pretty destructive path. So it's that question for me, you know, do I actually have to walk on the moon to be successful? And I've just learned and have found for me that as I've stepped into a role behind the scenes, being in a supporting position with Don, I worked with him for almost a decade. Um, I actually found a bunch of meaning and fulfillment doing that, playing my role, similar to Michael Collins, being content with the seat that I had. So it's led me on this really amazing journey. And, you know, as I've started to, you know, discover a new way of talking about and defining success, you know, I just feel like more people need to hear and, and be a part of this conversation. So as I'm now stepping into this new, you know, path in my career, what I'm wanting to do is start a conversation about what success actually looks like. Right, right. And so what led you though to, because it sounds like, and again, knowing you uh, outside of, of podcast land, we've spent time together. It seems like you've, you've had a good gig, like you've enjoyed what you've done. You guys have had a, a thriving business there. Like at what point is the idea of going like, I'm kind of intrigued in being a speaker, you know, not again, there's nothing wrong with like, uh, I had my seat on the spaceship and I was able, yeah. I liked my role and I enjoyed that. But um, what was it about transitioning to a speaker that like, at what point does that hit you? And, and kind of what's that journey been like just mentally kind of processing, like, do I even have what it takes? What would I even speak about? Who would I speak to? Could I do this on my own? Uh, could I do this separate from, you know, story brand and what I've done there? Like, what's that journey been like for you mentally? Yeah. I've been very comfortable behind the scenes. Uh, I mean, I really have enjoyed my role and largely because Don has, He's such an amazing, you know, visionary and whatever it is that he dreams up has just been so fun to chase down and rally a team around, you know, these ideas and, and, and they're making a difference in people's lives. So I felt really content in that. Right. Uh, but being able to see what it's like, you know, a front row seat to 
life as a speaker and a writer, I get to see what that was like because I got to watch Dawn, yeah. right? Um, and there's a part of it that is just interesting to me. I'm fascinated by the idea. I wanted to write a book more as a goal, not really as a, this is the beginning of me making a career pivot. I literally just had a goal of wanting to write a book and, you know, it's kind of led me on this journey. Um, and, you know, the idea of wanting to be a speaker really is me wanting to get in front of as many people as I can to talk about this, this project, these ideas. And so I think it's very new for me. I, I've, I've hardly done any speaking. I've not stood on many stages yet, um, but I know that there is power if you can step into that with the right perspective. And what I mean by that, what is that right perspective? If you can step on a stage, being more interested in you know, helping someone else win, giving them content that can impact their lives, if I'm more worried about that and less what it's going to do for me, I think that's what will enable me to stand on that stage uh, with a, um, I guess a little bit more of a fulfilling path than maybe what it would have looked like if I would have tried to become the next John Mayer. Because when I was trying to be him, I was just trying to be famous. I didn't care about helping anybody. Where here I am, you know, more than 15 years later, just stepping into it with a very different headspace. And so the journey is one that I am excited about, um, but it's also so much learning that I'm going to have to do uh, to figure out what it's like to really engage and captivate an audience. And, you know, what is it that's really going to resonate with people? All that is, is stuff that I'm stepping into and I'm really looking forward to. How is the, even navigating, you know, leaving the role in terms of like, uh, thinking about it in terms of like, you're, you're, you are, uh, your husband, your dad, you provide for your family and going, okay, I'm, I've gone from the quote unquote known to the unknown and making that type of shift because the, you know, uh, being a speaker, there's, uh, there's huge, uh, financial highs and lows and there's times where you're killing it and times where you're, you're struggling. And again, I think that the, one of the biggest challenges is that speakers, uh, deal with a lot of times is that internal question of, do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? Can I actually do this? And so, like, how have you thought about that? How have conversations with, with your wife been as you've kind of thought about, like, can I actually do this? Do I have what it takes to, to be a speaker? Yeah, you know, so, so much of this really does come down to how it is that we define success. And it's really timely to release a book around this while I'm also making this transition myself. Because like, what do I need? Am I, am I doing this to make a bunch of money? You know, and, and also financially, what do I need to make all of this possible as a career path for me and my family? So I think that's a starting point. And, and it's a conversation that my wife and I have been having is let's really look at what is the goal here, right? And so, and I also have, um, you know, been really encouraged by as we've grown StoryBrand, you know, what, what StoryBrand at the beginning when I was working with Don, it was 10 years ago the business was doing about $250,000 in revenue and, you know, got to the point to where we were doing 16 and a half million. Right. But we didn't get to 16 and a half million by just saying, all right, guys, we're going to be a 16 and a half million dollar company. Here we go. Let's make it happen. It's like, no, that it, it is a byproduct of doing all these other things. Well, so as I'm stepping into this new career, a, you know, a, a one that is going to have me doing more speaking and, you know, being on more podcasts, me hosting a podcast myself, releasing books. I'm really looking at it through the lens of one step at a time, you know, more focusing on the process than the result, but it's a, it's challenging. 
And I, but I, I just believe that if you do enough of the right stuff along the way, that the right stuff's going to happen. Um, but it, it's very easy to start comparing myself to, okay, you know, how, how many speaking gigs is this other person getting or, or what's the, the audience size that they're going to have versus me, you know, and I, I can't really control that, but what I can do is keep showing up. And so I think for me too, that's really what my starting point is. Do you think that they're like, cause on one hand, like, yes, there are, there are like, what are the things that you can control? What are the things that you can't control, you know, yeah. and, and identifying those and what are the steps that you need to be taking? But there's also, you know, you can be doing the right things, but that doesn't automatically guarantee success mm -hmm. in terms of being a, like, in terms of being a speaker. Um, there are a lot of great speakers that are maybe be, may be great on stage, but you know, they're not as good on running the business or actually like the sales and marketing side of actually booking gigs. Um, or they're, they're great on stage, but they're a pain in the butt to work with, you know, um, or they're really, really good at finding and booking gigs, but then they're not as good on stage, you know? So how do you kind of balance what are the things that I need to be doing, but also having the self-awareness that there's going to be things that I need to be doing that I'm just not good at, or I need to get better at. If I identify the things that I need to do and I just do those things, it doesn't automatically guarantee success mm -hmm. or, or do you feel like it does? Yeah. So, you know, there's a, I've read this book called the four disciplines of execution and it talks about the difference between lead and lag measures. Yep. Lag measure is the, okay. The revenue, right? It's the number of speaking gigs booked. That's the lag measure. By the time you're looking at that number, the work has been done. That's yep. just what you're left to deal with. Lead measures on the other hand are all the different levers that you can pull to influence that lag measure. Right. So, you know, as I think about releasing a book, how many copies am I going to sell? I have no idea. Right. I can't really control that outcome. But what I can control is all of the work that I do around that to influence that number. So, okay. In order for me to sell more books, I need to get in front of more audiences. Well, I, I don't have people banging down my door today for me to speak on their stages people i've been behind the scenes for so long people have no idea that I even exists right? Right, right so it's unrealistic for me to think that i'm going to be getting a bunch of speaking gigs at the gate i acknowledge that that's part of the strategy acknowledge where i'm at right yeah. but what is it that i can do to be more you know ready for that when it comes um so one of the things that i can control is i know a bunch of friends who have podcasts you yep. being one of them and so i have so many friends that have been gracious enough to invite me onto their podcast. So um, I'm going to be in front of tens of thousands of people over the next handful of months talking about the book. And it's something that I can control to influence the number of books that I will sell, yeah. right? Yep. I can't control the number of books I can sell, but I can control, did I send the email to the friend that said, hey, here's the book, would love to have a conversation with you on your show if you will have me, right? I can yep. control that. So, you know, at the time you and I are talking, I'll be on about 50 podcasts, which is a lot. That's an investment of time. Yep. I don't exactly know what the end result will be, but I just know enough. That's like, I can see the impact that that could have potentially on the, you know, the number of books sold, right? right. Same with speaking things. So I can't control necessarily the number of requests that I'll get, but I have a friend who runs a speaking agency and I've already talked to him about, you know, them representing me and I'm going to be doing that. But simultaneously, I've hired a friend of mine who is going to help me put together a keynote. Yep. So it's like, I am going to just be ready 
for when I do get that first request to show up and to be able to deliver something that I'm going to be proud of. Because I also know that if I can show up on a stage and do a really good job, that's going to lead to more opportunities. So I'm going to do the work. Uh, and part of the work that I'm doing, what's been interesting as I've been on all these podcasts, I'm refining the message. I'm learning the stories that resonate yeah. that I'll then be able to put onto, you know, into my keynote, right? right? So what I'm trying to do is think of what are all the lead measures? I gave you a couple of them, you know, just in, in that last little bit. Those are a couple of them that will influence the lag measure. So you are right. If I were to try to, you know, project what revenue is going to be, the number of speaking gigs I'm going to get, number of books I'm going to sell. I would be guessing just like anybody else. They would right. be projections. But what I can guarantee is that I will show up and that I'm going to do the work. So when I actually you know, put my head on my pillow at night, I'm really content having done the work, yeah. right? And so I'm focusing on that, the things that I can control more so than the things that I can't. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I totally resonate with that. Uh, I, I guess I also, I think defining it as lead versus lag measures, you know, it's kind of like um, I've heard about like exercise, health, fitness, the scale, when you step on the scale, it's a, a lag measure. You cannot exactly, affect that yeah. number anymore. You know, I stepped on the scale this morning. I can't do anything about what the number tells me, but I can control today what I do. What are those lead things in terms of tracking calories or how much I exercise or what are those things I can do today that then when I step on the scale tomorrow, that it's going to have an impact on that number. And I don't know what yeah. the number is going to be tomorrow. And I don't know how many gigs I may or may not book tomorrow or how many books I may or may not sell tomorrow, but I know that I can control the effort that I put in today. And I think that's just so, so important versus the approach of, I want to be a speaker or I want to sell a book. And so I'm just going to sit back and I wait for the phone to ring and I click my heels together and I hope it just magically works out. Like it doesn't, like there's certainly things that are outside of your control, but there are absolutely things that are inside your control that putting forth that effort that you, you can do something about that's going to lead to the, you know, the lag measures that, that you desire. Absolutely. And, you know, when I was working at Apple, I heard Steve Jobs say the joy is in the journey. And what I'm learning from a lot of these people in the secret society, who I call the secret society of success, and I know we'll, you know, we'll talk some about some of that, but there's people that I've been inspired by that have just shown me a new path, a new way to approach my life that can lead me to success. And someone like Steve Jobs, you know, enjoy the journey, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's a choice as well. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start. Let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done-for-you websites, done-for-you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. So when I was writing my book, this is the first time that I'd ever written a book. And but what I'd heard from a lot of different writers is how much of a grind that writing can be, 
right? Sure. Yep, yep. And I just started to you know ask myself, what would it look like to do this in a way that makes me want to do it again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever I need to do, let's do it that way. Because why wouldn't I want to enjoy the journey? It, right. I don't have to believe the lie that it has to be a grind. It doesn't. I actually had a bunch of fun writing the book. Was it hard? It was hard, yeah. but I got to do it with a group of people. So what that looked like was I learned there's a difference between being an author and a writer. Mm. You can be the author of a book without being the writer of a book. Yep. And so I, I hired two you know, people, Allie Fallon and Annie Kyle, mm-hmm. and they helped me as, as co-writers. The three of us worked together to put these ideas on paper. Yeah. So at the end of the day, my book is on the, uh, my, my name is on the front of the book, um, but I could not have done it without Annie and Allie helping me put all this stuff down. And so I love the collaborative nature of it. I love them saying, okay, Tim, go write 500 words on X, right? Yep. Okay, cool, cool. You know, and then we talk through the chapter outlines and, you know, we'd get to these stories that I was really inspired by. And they're like, okay, what, What's, what jumps out to you? What, what do you have to say about this? So them guiding me and coaching me through the process, they brought their expertise, they played their role, but it ultimately allowed me to have you know, a book, which was a goal that I had to accomplish, and I enjoyed it. So yeah. I think there's something to falling in love with the work. And you know, one of the, the things that happened whenever I was working with Don, we released several books. One of those was his book, Scary Close. And so about a week and a half after the book comes out, Don was expecting a phone call from the publisher. And um, we knew on that phone call, we'd find out if he hit a bestseller list. Because similar to the lead and lag measures, you can do so much of the work and some of the results are kind of out of your control. So you hope to do enough to put yourself in a position to maybe get an accolade like that. Um, But you just never know. So he, uh, we're all in the office, he gets the phone call. He, he hangs up, raises his hands in the air, and he's like, we did it. Number five on the New York Times, mm. which is that was the highest any of his books had ever been on the New York Times. Yeah. And something really beautiful happened right after that. You know, we hugged, high-fived. Uh, you know, we, we kind of celebrated the moment, and I thought it was pretty interesting. It was a few minutes later, legitimately a few minutes later, we all walked back into our offices and got back to work. Right, right. <laughs> and, and I think what that was for me, as I reflect on that moment, was not dysfunction. It wasn't that we didn't know how to celebrate wins. It's like we just, we just weren't defined by it. Yeah, yeah. We were willing to just show up and do the work, whether or not we ever got that accolade or not. So I think part of it, as people have aspirations of becoming a speaker or maybe standing on bigger stages than they are today, I think a really, you know, important thing for all of us is to, you know, ask yourself, like, are you enjoying the journey? Yeah. And if not, what needs to change for that to be more true, right? But right. then also, what are you in it for? What's your motivation? Are you doing it to get the round of applause? Are you doing it to get the standing ovation? Or are you content and, you know, f- fulfilled having shown up and done the work? Right. right. We can't control the pro or we can't control the results. We can only control the process. And sometimes our attitude and the way that we show up is the thing that we can control. Right. 
Well, and so to that end, like everyone defines success differently. And so if you have 10 different speakers, you're going to have 10 different answers in terms of like what success looks like. And for some of them, it's, you know, they want to do huge stages or be a, a very known name. And some people want to, I want to make, you know, a significant difference in just a couple of people in a smaller setting or do a ton of gigs or very few gigs. And, like, and there's not, not necessarily a right or wrong, but I'm curious for you, especially as you've made this transition into kind of this new career trajectory, how are you thinking about success for yourself as a speaker, like what does that look like? Or if you were to fast forward a couple of years from now, is there something that defines like whether or not you've hit it, that you've arrived, that you've achieved, what you're hoping to accomplish uh, in terms of being a speaker? Like what what does success look like for you, or how do you define success for being a speaker? There, Don uh, Don has a book that just came out this year in 2022 uh, called Hero on a Mission, and in it he talks about this exercise that he does where he reads his eulogy. You know, it's a uh, something and you know Stephen Covey begin with the end in mind right like yep. that's kind of an adopted approach that Don has pulled into this book and so as I think about what my eulogy is it said you know Tim is the author of several books so it's like oh that's interesting I why is that an aspiration I just I, I really aspire to do that and I I want to to lean into that wherever that ultimately takes me right yeah. I I have enjoyed so far learning everything that I've learned in trying to put this book together, because it, it has me doing a lot of the things that I love to do, which is I, I have to show up every day with my antenna up. I'm more engaged in life because I'm paying attention. Yeah. I'm looking for interesting stories or having conversations with friends and asking questions that may elicit some like cool insights that then I can turn and, you know, create into a chapter or, you know, highlight on a podcast or whatever. So I, you know, for me, success is I want to, I want to love the work. I want to do more of what makes me come alive. And I've just learned that that process of writing a book is part of that journey for me. So I want to do that. Um, but I also want to be able to support my family. So there is a financial component to it. And I'm strategic enough to know, okay, there are certain revenue streams here that are possible for, a, you know, an, an author. One of those is speaking. So, you know, I think for me, as I've really thrown out a bit of a budget, if I do about one speaking gig a month, like I'm pretty content. But success for me also looks like being available to my family. Yeah. So success doesn't look like me having 52 keynotes a year. I don't want to be gone every week. So if I had to choose between taking a bunch of speaking gigs or being more present at home, I'm going to be more present at home, but that's me. Yeah. Not everybody has that. I have some friends, you know, John Acuff being one of them, he talks about how much he loves being on the road and speaking in front of audiences. And that is what makes him come alive. So John yeah. do more of that. So for me to live into his definition of success or vice versa sets both of us up to fail. So I think it's really important for us to also realize like, what is it that defines success? And in the speaking realm, as I'm looking at it for me, that kind of one a month feels like it would fit well, not only supporting on the financial side, but also a nice balance between um, what it is that I want to you know, have in terms of a schedule for you know, my family. I have young kids. I have a four and a half year old and a two year old. Yeah. So that's just the stage that I'm in. That will likely change as they get older. But for now, this is what it looks like. And I think that's important too. Your definition of success can change over time, yep, yep. right? And for different reasons. 
So I think it's also important for us to pay attention to how our desires change and to not trap ourselves based off of previous definition of success, but allow that to evolve over time. So I want to write multiple books. I want to be, you know, on some stages, but another thing I love is podcasts. If, if in my free time, I had all, like I had the ability to do anything that I want. I listen to podcasts for fun. I, I turn them on not to work. I, I turn them on because I enjoy it so much. So I'm going to, I'm starting my own podcast because I love it, you yep. know? So I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate to be stepping into a season where I can dream up whatever it is that I want to do and just kind of pursue it. Um, and, and I just hope that I continue to have that opportunity, you know, two years from now. Um, and, and I'm hopeful that I will, but it's, it's good to just be paying attention to some of those things as I'm navigating some of that. Yeah, I thousand percent agree with all that and res really resonate with that, that every speaker's definition looks different. And some for some speakers, it's I want to do 10 gigs and nothing else. And some I want to do 100 gigs and nothing else. And like, it's not that one's better or worse than the other. Like everybody's playing a different game with a different set of board pieces and a different context and situation. And so it just depends on what it is that you are trying to accomplish. And so if you accomplish that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that versus like trying to compare yourself to someone else who's doing, playing a totally different game. So one thing I'd be curious about on to that end though, is how do you balance, especially as it, as it relates to being a speaker, being an author, it's easy to fall into the comparison trap of that person spoke at a bigger gig. That person sold more books. That person's fee is higher. That person has a bigger podcast, that person fill in the blank, whatever, you know? And so it's easy, even if I'm, I'm, I'm in my lane, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be distracted by everybody else, but I glance out of my peripheral and I see like this person's doing better or that person's doing better. And I'm just like, what, what the heck? Like, so how do you kind of balance the, here's my rules for success, but also at the same time, not falling into the comparison trap and playing that game. So whenever I worked at StoryBrand, I did all the hiring and there was a day that an application came through and on this person's resume, they had one of my favorite companies listed and if I were to say the name of the company, everyone listening would know and likely has engaged with this you know, company. Couldn't wait to talk to them about it. So in the first interview, I'm like, all right, you know, tell me everything. Just pumped, right? And they said, it's a really competitive environment, but nobody there has your back. Mm. And I was like, whoa, like, what do you mean nobody there has your back? And they went on to describe that everyone was so interested in their own next gig, their own promotion that they are more interested in setting themselves up to win and less interested in doing anything that would maybe set somebody else up for success, yeah. right? Yep. So I think that there is in that a scarcity mentality, which says, if I help someone else win, I therefore don't have a chance to win myself. And I just don't view the world that way. Um, and it's hard because it's very easy. The natural thing is to compare ourselves to others and to put ourselves next to one another on these various scoreboards yeah. to try to, you know, tell you that these scoreboards don't exist would not be true. They, it's actually, there is a hardwiring in us for these various hierarchies. It's, it's, it's in our DNA, right? Yeah. And yet the more healthy version of us, the, the opportunity that is available for all of us is to give that less airtime, right? Mm -hmm. What if we actually were to show up with more of an abundance mindset, which would celebrate those around us and the wins that they have versus comparing ourselves to them and then in, in a way being like resentful. 
And I have not evolved beyond this. Let me tell you, like, this is a thing that I live in the tension in regularly as well. Right. You know, so in the book, I talk about this idea of the spotlight mindset, this unhealthy desire for attention and recognition. We're living the tension between that, the spotlight mindset, and learning to live in the way of the secret society, which is more others focused, right? It's, you know, how are you setting your setting other people up to win, right? Like that kind of, a, it, we're, we're living in the tension between those two things. And, you know, on my unhealthy days, I am exactly what you're describing, comparing myself to others. C.S. Lewis, though, said, comparison is the thief of joy, and he's right, mm -hmm. right? And so for me to try to, you know, to tell you that I've totally achieved all of this and I now no longer struggle with comparison would just not be true. But what I do try to show up with is in those moments that I feel that way, I have a decision to make, right? Like I feel that like comparison coming up and then my mind then has a thought and then I have a behavior after that thought. So it either is to continue down that downward spiral where I'm, you know, thinking of all the ways that this person is going to have more success than I will. My life is ruined, blah, blah, blah. Right. Or you kind of in that, in that moment, kind of flip to gratitude, just like, man, isn't it great that my friends are able to have the success, you know, it's like, and, and to be, to be grateful for the things that you do have rather than then on this endless pursuit for all the things that you don't. So I think that comparison is a real thing. Um, but I, I do think that we get to choose if we're going to continue to let that, you know, impact our thoughts and our behaviors, or if we can actually start to see these things and um, maybe lean into gratitude, maybe, maybe look at what is right in our lives versus, yeah. you know, what is wrong. And cause I don't think that we're, we're I really don't think we're competing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, just, I just don't just because somebody got a speaking gig, just cause your friend got a speaking gig at this big company doesn't mean that you're never going to, or that that same company won't hire you. It's like, I don't know. I, I just think we can very easily believe these lies that what is good for somebody else is therefore bad for us. I, I just, I don't think that that's true. Yeah. Would totally agree with that there. Uh, one of my favorite shows to watch is uh, shark tank. And so mm -hmm. anytime someone gets a deal, uh, I always just find myself just uh, 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 by default saying good for them. Like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. that's really, really cool. And I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. trying to get on Shark Tank or have some product to sell, but just, man, like, good for them. That's really, really cool. Like, they they took a leap. It went well. That's awesome. Like, to your point, I don't need them or a speaker or an entrepreneur or anybody else to fail in order for us to win. There's like, there's plenty of other people who do what we do in terms of working with speakers and helping speakers, but I don't need them to, to fail for us to succeed. Like there's the, the pond and the, 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 the pool is big enough for all of us. And so we can, we can all be successful. We can all make a difference. Yeah. And it's going to take some work though, because your response is, I would actually say an evolved way of thinking, like you've done some work to actually be able to respond that way. So I think what's important and, and, you know, in this is to, to realize that you're going to have to put in some work. You're going to need to do some reps where you're going to be in those moments and you're going to have to say, isn't that great for them? Yeah. Like you're almost training yourself to respond in a different way. It's kind of like exercise. If all of a sudden you just don't show up at the gym, you're going to be out of shape. Yeah. But what, what being in shape looks like, what responding in a healthy way looks like is doing those reps enough times that you know a better way to respond. So I actually would say, you watching Shark Tank and even, you know, 
just those little, oh man, isn't that great for them? That is a great rep towards a more evolved and, and a more healthy way of thinking. So I actually think that serves you maybe when you're up against something that is more infringing on your actual life, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think you'll be more ready to respond in a healthy way in that moment if you've done the reps uh, in, in some of these lesser than you know moments when it maybe doesn't impact you as closely. Yeah, that's good. Tim, we've been dancing around it. The, the Again, the book is The Secret Society of Success. Stop chasing the spotlight and learn to enjoy your work and life again. If people want to find out more about the book, give us a quick nutshell, what who the book is for and why should speakers be reading it? Yeah. So, I mean, there is just this message that gets a lot of airtime saying to be successful, there is a set number of things that we all need to have or need to aspire to have. And, you know, so the book is really exploring, is that it? Is, is it money, fame, and power? Is it, is it being in the spotlight? Is it standing on more stages? Is that the only way to define success? And I've just not found that to be true. And so in the book, I uh, introduce you to the secret society of success. And, you know, it's people who have shown me a new way to live and define success. And it's people, some that you've, you know, heard of Alan Mulally, LeBron James, Scott Hamilton, you know, all these people who have made a pretty big impact in my life. Uh, that have just shown me a new way to live. But there's also people in here who you've never heard about who are also defining success a little bit differently than most. So um, that that is really what the book is about. My hope is that people find a new way to define success. And in that, they are able to find more meaning and fulfillment in their lives. So they stop comparing themselves to others and start kind of leaning into the role that they played. Are, are we content to have had one of those three seats on the mission, right? Whatever that looks like for us in our lives. Um, so you, you can go to secretsocietybook.com. Uh, it's available there. It's also on target.com, Amazon, all those places. But I, I hope people really lean into this conversation because I think it's a really important one right now. Tim, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, always good to chat with you. Thanks, buddy. So fun. All right, there you have it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, I want you to know that we do this podcast simply because we want to serve and support speakers like you. We don't charge anything for you to listen, but in return, we do have one small favor to ask. Would you be willing to subscribe to the podcast where you're listening right now? Hit that subscribe button. Also, leave us a rating and review within iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to these podcasts. We read every single one of them, and they also help other people to find the show. Also, if you are looking to take the next step in growing your speaking business, be sure and check out thespeakerlab.com. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com. We've got a ton of free resources and tools there, and you can also learn more about the programs that we offer, which include one-on-one coaching. Our mission here is to help you find the confidence, clarity, and clear path that you need to own your speaking success. So again, check us out over at thespeakerlab.com. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us, and we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.